This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast with Cornell Schreiber, session number eight. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to session eight of the Build Wealth Canada podcast. Now, today I'm excited to have Carl Richards on the show. Carl has actually been in the financial planning industry for over 20 years. He has a column in the New York Times, in the Morningstar Advisor, and he's even been featured on Forbes.com and on Oprah.com. So I thought it'd be nice to pick his brain a little bit and pick up some of the knowledge that he's gained over all those years of experience. Now, Carl actually has a new book coming out called The One Page Financial Plan, where he shares much of his 20 years of experience and takes us through the financial planning process that he does with his private clients. Now, you can get all the links and information from this episode at buildwealthcanada.ca slash eight, so just the number eight. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter so that you're the first to know when new expert interviews come out. And I'll also send you new tools and guides that I create as they get released. Also, as an added bonus and as a welcome gift for joining, you'll get instant access to my guide on the top five personal finance and productivity tools that you can start using today for free to save you time and money. So I look forward to seeing you at buildwealthcanada.ca and now let's get into the interview. All right, Carl, welcome to the show and uh, once again, congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. I'm excited to talk with you. That's great. Uh, now, before jumping in and, and talking about your book, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and basically your story as it relates to the whole personal finance space? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and do it quickly because it's kind of a funny story. But I early on, you know, I was in college, you know, didn't have, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And, um, I, you know, I'd recently been married. And my wife was looking for a job for me. I came home one day and she had out the newspaper and she was looking for a job for me. And I said, you know, what did you find? And she said, oh, I found this great security guard job. And I thought, <laughs> well, that'll be great. I'll go work. You know, I could work as a security guard at night and still go to school full time. This will be perfect. Right. Well, I went to apply for this, what I thought was a security job. And it turned out it was a securities <laughs> job. And that, that's sort of how I ended up in the financial industry. Now, of course, that was 20 years ago. And since then, you know, quickly I found out how much I really, really enjoyed it because mainly because the central role, unfortunately, probably the central role that money plays in our lives. I mean, it, it's, you know, I quickly found out that this wasn't just about spreadsheets and calculators, you know, it was about values and goals. And so helping people make, those sorts of important decisions was something I found I really loved, despite sort of my accidental entry into the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one was that would have been funny uh, at the interview if you're preparing for a security guard and you're you're, you're <laughs> trying to trying to build some muscle before trying to look all big yeah. and bulky and expecting a yeah, flashlight and a baton or something. And <laughs> it, was, it was funny, and and you know it tells you a little bit about the applicant pool that day that I got the job, but I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, they start asking you spreadsheet questions. Why why do you need this for a security job? This yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so what prompted you to basically write this book? What what kind of uh, got you going? What got you thinking about it? Yeah, well, since my first book, The Behavior Gap, that came out about three years ago, I've been, I've had this repeated experience where people would ask me, and normally it happens near the end of, you know, some event together, like let's say we were at lunch and the bill comes, we've had this nice conversation about life or something, 
And there's like three minutes left before we have to go. And somebody will say, hey, Carl, you know, knowing that I sort of write this weekly column and all, you know, knowing that this is sort of my job, people will say, hey, what should I do with X, right? Like, what should I do with my retirement plan? What should I do with my mortgage? What, all these questions. And I was like, well, we've got three minutes. Right. I don't know how to explain it. So I thought, you know what? Maybe I should put all those answers in a book. So from now on, I can just say, you know what? Read this book. You know? so right. That was sort of my goal was just to try and make a simple, easy to understand, clear sort of list of all the questions I'd been asked to give people guidance on that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. If people want the silver bullet uh, within three minutes, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly no silver bullets in the Exactly. In the you and I both know those don't exist. But yeah, that's what people are always looking for. For sure. For sure. And unfortunately, that's sort of right. Like that's kind of the problem is they're looking for the magic answer or even like the product, you know, the specific mutual fund, the the specific investment that they could make that would solve problems. And we, you know what the dilemma is, of course, we've got to start way, way before that. That's a little bit like trying to get a prescription without ever being diagnosed. Right. Right. And that was the big goal of the book. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I started out by trying to just write all the prescriptions, you know, all the answers. And then I realized, well, wait, we got to start with giving people a framework to diagnose themselves first. And so that's kind of the first three chapters of the book are really about how to get clear about why you're making these decisions about money and, and, and why you would want certain types of investments. Why do you want to save that much? You know, all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the underlying things, the, uh, all the different variables to consider, which is why there is no silver bullet really. And right. uh, I really, I actually, I started reading your book. I got an, an early copy and uh, definitely I'm enjoying it so far. One of the pieces that, that really kind of um, struck home with me was that I really enjoyed was that when you said that people are often, you know, they're afraid a little bit to, to invest, you know, especially in the beginning, they're, they're nervous to pull the trigger because if they, if they do it wrong, they could really lose a lot of money. And it's this big thing they don't understand. They have other careers. They don't have, they feel they don't have time to learn about all of this. And so it's kind of, they feel safer that it's just safer to do nothing than to do something and then lose all the money. Right. Which, and really it's just because of lack of education, uh, you know, that they feel that way. But uh, I thought that was, uh, I, I could see how a lot of people could, would sort of fit in that bucket, right? Uh, but then it actually is dangerous to just keep everything in your, uh, you know, checking account and not use the uh, other different retirement tools that are available out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really easy to understand. Like life has gotten so busy. You know, <laughs> I I don't, I mean, it's funny. I, I, I call to get somebody to help me with something that my dad would have never thought to ask somebody else, right? He, he just knew how to do all this stuff and he had right. time. And there are still plenty of people that, that 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 have that, but most of us feel under we're under such intense pressure, so much work. You know, our kids are all so busy. We're running around. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying it sort of feels like a fact of modern life. And so, having it's it's understandable that people have real anxiety. In fact, I've been all over the world the last three years speaking and one of the consistent themes seems to be this sort of anxiety around making financial decisions because mm -hmm. they're, they're emotionally, well, and we don't really recognize this, but they're emotionally complex, you know, and they're also, they could be mathematically complex as well. I mean, and, and we know as soon as you bring up money, the, the topic of money brings its own sort of unique form of anxiety. You know, people are just wired to not, 
I mean, on top of it being complex, it's also additionally challenging because it's money. And so it's not surprising that people are having a hard time figuring this out. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so people don't need help making financial decisions because they're not smart or because they couldn't do it themselves. It's mainly because we're, we have blind spots and because this is an emotional discussion, it's just helpful to have some other third party involved. You know, that's, that's sort of what the exercises in the book are are about is trying to walk you through how to figure out where your blind spots are and how to have these discussions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Carl, you've been basically in the industry now for over 20 years. I'm sure you've received quite a few questions <laughs> in that time, uh, individuals seeking your advice. What are some of the most common challenges that people that you find people struggle with and ask you about? I think the the, the common challenge is pe- people don't really even, I mean, we think our job as investors or savers is to find the best investment, right? That's sort of what we hear from the media. It's what we read in most personal finance books to find the best investment. Mm-hmm. So we're running around doing that. And, you know, we're listening to the Financial Pornography Network and, you know, trying to make all these decisions on how to find the best investment. And that well-intentioned behavior, because it is well-intentioned, it's what we think we need to do to provide security for our family or send our kids to college or whatever it is, that leads to us really we're filling prescriptions over and over and over given to us by a stranger right? that never had time. So I think the most common mistake, this is speaking really broadly, is for us not to just pause, take the time to diagnose before we fill prescriptions, right? Get really clear. Another metaphor would be before you start arguing endlessly about whether to take a car, a plane, or a train on a trip, get pretty clear about where you're going, right? And then decide. So rather than running around trying to find the best investment, let's get really clear about why we're doing this. So so failing to plan is probably the single biggest mistake people make. Okay, okay. And then um, what, um, what would you say are some of the most common fears that people have when it comes to financial planning? That's a really good question. I, I think it's just a common fear or sort of anxiety around money, right? We feel like, I think there's two things that play, well, three things. Number one, we expect it just to be like spreadsheets and calculators. And, and as soon as we dive in, sort of like, I just opened the American Express statement. Why are we arguing all of a sudden, right? We, we find out it's really emotional. These discussions about money aren't just spreadsheets and calculators. So that's one big fear we have. Number two is this, we've been trained and I found out this is worldwide, right? We've been trained not to talk about money. It's sort of money, sex, politics, and religion. Those are the things we've been trained (laughs) not to talk about in polite company. And so we're not used to talking about it. And then um, the third thing is just this general anxiety around math, statistics, and money all together. So we think it's got to be really complex. So I think those are the big fears people have. Okay. And then, of course, making that wrong decision because it's complex and paralysis yeah, yeah. analysis and, and that leading to basically bad financial decisions and arguments yeah. and things of that nature. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, Carl, going back to your book, what can listeners expect to learn from it? And, and how is your book different than some of the other personal finance, financial planning books out there? 
Yeah, well, that's another really good question. I, I so my hope is, and I, it, it's interesting. A friend of mine said this. He, I asked a friend of mine to read the book and and uh, write a blurb to go on the cover, and um, he said, "I don't do financial books." Mm-hmm. And I said, "I know, but we read this anyway." And he ended up, um, you know, the the little comment he wrote about the book was, you know, this is not a money book; it's a life book. And so my hope is I'm sort of letting the trick out of the bag now. My hope is to sort of trick people into reading a book that will help them make better decisions about life through the vehicle of money. And so that's how it's different. I I think most personal finance books, and there are a lot of very, very good ones out there that do a phenomenal job of prescribing, you know, telling people, hey, here's some things you need to do, you know, save 10% of your income, pay down your debt. You know, it's all relatively simple. The stuff's pretty simple. Um, but that doesn't make it easy. And my hope with this book is to make it a little easier, right? To set the sort of framework for making these decisions and having these conversations right up front in the first three chapters. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. That's great. Um, do we have time for uh, a few more questions before, uh, you tell us where we can find you and, uh, Sure, okay. no, I'd love to. Yeah, one uh, one question I had, uh, I'm sure you get a lot of questions about asset allocation from, from many mm-hmm. of your clients. And obviously, you both know there's a lot of different methodologies of the term, determining uh, you know how much basically to put into each bucket and, and how to strategically do it based on your age or, or whatever other variable you decide to use mm-hmm. or, or formula. What Can you give us your take on it, how, how you... How you analyze it, what you recommend to your clients based on, like I said, their age or whatever other variables you consider? Yeah, sure. So first of all, asset allocation is just a a fancy term for splitting money between stocks, bonds, and cash, and maybe even some subcategories, right? Right. So it's how do you divide the money up? So the best answer, right? So I'll tell you the best answer. The best answer is you do that based on your goals, right? So there's a unique, it's not necessarily based on you know, some sort of definition of risk. It's not necessarily based on your age. It's you take all those factors together and based on your goals. So let me give you an example, like a 20 year old that just inherited $10 million should probably invest (laughs) differently than a 20 year old that doesn't have any money. Right. Right. So, so age isn't a single factor, but the, so the best answer is you have a unique asset allocation tailor made for to to give you the highest likelihood of meeting your goals with the lowest risk that's that's the like perfect answer mm-hmm. problem is it's really hard to do so there's a bunch of shortcuts and there's one you know that's what i walk through in the book is is i think the standard short i mean there's some shortcuts based on age and those will work the shortcut i walk through the in the book is just using the 64 so 60 percent in stocks 40 percent in safe instruments like you know, short-term bonds is sort of the kind of default answer. And then I walk people through how to adjust either up or down from that default answer. But here's the most important thing. It almost doesn't matter which way you pick as long as you stick with it. That's so the big dilemma is when you pick one way of deciding how to have money in stocks, like you could based on your age. And then when the stock market goes up or down, you change the way you're making that decision. That leads to terrible behavior. So asset allocation, your original asset allocation matters a lot less than sticking with what you decided. Right, right. And I've seen this over and over and over. It's almost like you could pick anything. Pick a 60-40 portfolio. Put 60% of your money in the S&P 500 index 
or your local, you know, whatever the broad market index is in the country you live in, but 40% in short-term, uh, like a, a Vanguard total bond index, and just keep it there, if you did that, you would be better off than 90% of your neighbors, you know, just because right. you behave correctly. And you stuck so, with it. <laughs> yeah, just stick with it. Like, that's the most important part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, are, are there any other questions, Carl, that you would want me to, that you wanted me to ask you that I haven't asked you yet? Anything like that that you'd like to to answer? No, I, I mean, I you know, the question about what makes this book different was is great. And I, I mean, I guess I just want to emphasize that I think as much as I tried, and believe me, I really, really tried to give you sort of really specific, easy rules of thumb to follow. Um, there's still a little bit of hard work involved here in understanding sort of your own unique values in regard to how you use your money um, based on what you say is important to you. Right. And and that's the part that I really hope people will take away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, from when I started reading it, that was that was definitely one thing that uh, made it stand out a fair bit was, okay, before we get into the nitty gritty and talking about ETFs or, or whatever it is that you're investing in, let's right. let's more look at the macro level first. Let's look at what you're trying to actually do. And so it actually becomes more of about your values and even your life philosophy, if you will, right? Because that's going to modify what you what what you're working towards and what you you know what you want to do with the money, uh, and then only then do you actually decide okay what's the best strategy to get there. So yeah, that was yeah. that was really uh, I thought that was interesting and I I like that that approach. Let's start at the uh, the macro level before before diving in, uh, as yeah, opposed to sure. just using uh, one solution that you know is supposed that that silver bullet that people are hoping for, which actually doesn't exist, right? Right. Yeah. Right, right. So, Carl, where where can people learn uh, learn more about you? Um, where can they get your book? Uh, just yeah, g- give us some some places where we can uh, follow you and, and learn more from you. So, my favorite place to interact with people is my. Uh, we send out a weekly newsletter. Um, it's it's highly curated ideas for people who use money. It's the Behavior Gap newsletter. You can sign up at behaviorgap.com. It's free, and that's one that, that's probably the easiest way to kind of keep track because we'll also at the bottom put up, you know, like my weekly column at the New York Times. A link to that will be there. Um, in terms of buying the book, you know, you're, I'm a huge fan of local independent bookstores, uh, but the easiest way, obviously, is at Amazon. The book's always there, and it, it comes out um, March 31st. That's great. That's great. All right, Carl. Well, thank you so much, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you in the future as well. Thank you, Cornell. All right. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Carl. You can get the link to his book and his site at buildwealthcanada.ca slash eight, so just the number eight. And while you're there, sign up for the free newsletter so that you're the first to know when new expert interviews come out. And I'll send you new free tools and guides as they get released as well. Also, as a bonus welcome gift for signing up, you'll get instant access to my guide on the top five personal finance and productivity tools that you can start using today to start saving time and money. Lastly, if you are an iTunes user, I'd really appreciate it if you gave this podcast a rating. It helps a lot in getting great guests on the show. Also, if there is a guest or a subject that you'd like covered, you can let me know there too, and I'll do my very best to cover that for you in a future episode. Well, thank you in advance. Talk to you soon and see you on buildwealthcanada.ca. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca. 